0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr.
1: But I'm going to start this morning on the spirit of faith. This will be the first session this morning. And, uh, and we're going to get into this, and I'm going to lay the groundwork today for what we're going to do in these next sessions. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for your family. We're going to pray and loose healing virtue into your body. We're going to pray protection over your family. But it's important, and so if you're just logging on, you didn't see what I'm talking about, every night at 7 p.m., we're going to be doing the Spirit of Faith sessions where I'm going to teach and preach from the word of God on the spirit of faith and loose the spirit of faith into your heart and into your soul and believe God that all things are changing for the better for you in the mighty name of Jesus. Everything is changing for the better for you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. So take a minute today, share the broadcast because this is day one. And that's part of the reason I played that video at the beginning because I wanted you to feel what it feels like to feel faith being pumped out. And when you talk about Christ and his power, when you talk about who he is and what he can do, then faith begins to build. You speak about the power of Jesus. You know, I love that the Psalmist said in the Old Testament, he said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Oh, let us magnify. So so think about this. And I've said this before when preaching and teaching. When you magnify something, it doesn't change its size. For example, if you had a stamp collection or a coin collection and you took a magnifying glass and you started to look at a stamp or a coin, it does not change the size of the coin, nor does it change the size of the stamp. But all it does is make your view of that thing bigger. It makes your view of that thing bigger. And the same thing is true with God. As the Psalmist said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. When we magnify God, it doesn't make God bigger. It doesn't make his power bigger. It doesn't make his anointing bigger. It just makes our view of it bigger. And and that's needed. You need to focus your faith on God. Whatever you magnify becomes big in your mind. And if you're taking notes, and if you're writing things in the comments today, I want you to write that. Whatever I magnify becomes big in my eyes. Whatever I magnify becomes big in my eyes. And so God's God doesn't change. His power doesn't change. Malachi chapter three, he even said, I'm the Lord, your God. I do not change. So he's speaking there of his nature and character. His nature and character don't change. His power and anointing don't change. His strength doesn't change. His integrity does not change. He's the same. So is Christ. Hebrews says that. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Yesterday and today and forever. They don't change. But what can change? Our focus can change. And that's why Paul the Apostle He encouraged the believers. What did he say? Set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth or this world. Don't set your mind on natural things. Set your mind on spiritual things, on the anointing and the power of God and on his mighty word. Set your mind on this. And whatever you magnify becomes big in your eyes. Think about this. Whatever you magnify becomes big in your eyes. And that's, that's the real issue here because when you allow something to become big in your eyes, what does it do? Fills your heart, fills your soul. What does it do? It actually creates what becomes the abundance of your heart. Whatever you fill yourself with is what you allow to become the abundance of your heart. And what does the Bible say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so you cannot, now, now here's a very important point to catch. You cannot maintain a faith confession by filling your heart with fear. That would be something to put in the comments and never forget, never forget this. Please, please write that down. I cannot maintain a faith confession by filling my heart with fear. I cannot maintain a faith confession by filling my heart with fear. Why? Why can I not? Because the Bible says, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak. Out of the abundance of the heart. So whatever fills your heart. You know, if you put 80% fear in and 20% faith, faith's not gonna come out. Because the abundance of what's in you is fear. That's it. That's it. Put it in the comments. I cannot maintain a faith confession by filling my heart with fear. It's impossible. It is impossible. And many people right now are filling their hearts with fear. They're filling their, hey, there's Stephanie from Michigan. Good to see you. Filling their heart with fear. You cannot maintain a faith confession by filling your heart with fear it's impossible and jesus taught that out of the abundance so paul the apostle by the inspiration of the holy spirit said set your mind on things above not on things of this world or this earth natural things so i want to begin in second timothy where paul is writing his last letter uh to his son in the gospel timothy and uh I want to um, <clears throat> I want to show you a couple of things right here. I'm going to show you why these sessions are going to be vitally important to you this week and as long as the Lord leads us to do them. I'm just going to keep coming on. I mean, I'm not, I'm not backing up. I've got the time to do it and I want, I mean, there's other things I, I need to be doing and could be doing, but this is more important. You are more important. Those of you that watch this broadcast faithfully, you are more important because God has a plan to bless you. He has a plan to bless your family, has a plan to protect your children and your body, has a protect, plan to protect your finances and your household. And this is a message that will build you into a place of supernatural faith, what we're calling a spirit of faith, and it'll cause you to walk at a higher level than others that are allowing fear to overtake their life. And so I want you to go with me. Second Timothy chapter one, I wanna read you a few verses to show you why this is gonna be so vitally important. No matter what platform you're on today, share this because it's life or death for many people. Second Timothy one, listen to this. Paul, in the beginning of his letter to Timothy, he says this, um, I remember, I'm gonna start with verse four. I remember you in, I remember your tears. I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. Now watch, watch what Paul does here. Watch what Paul does. A a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And now I am sure it dwells in you as well. Verse six, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He's talking about impartation here. Verse seven, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Power and love and self-control. Notice a couple of things from this passage. Number one, Timothy was the beneficiary of impartation through previous generations. The first generation that had faith, Paul recognized his grandmother had faith. And then his mother had faith. And he said, as a result, I am sure that it dwells in you as well. And so the first thing I wanna show you today is that your life and your reaction in times of fear is vitally important for the generations coming after you. I refuse to let my children see me reacting in fear to any situation. I refuse. My father may still be watching. I do not remember growing up and ever seeing my father respond in fear to any situation that we ever encountered. Didn't matter if it was supernatural or natural. I don't remember ever seeing my father or mother reacting in fear to any situation. I don't remember it. I looked at my father, my whole life still do to this day, as a pillar of strength. Didn't matter what's going on. He's strong as a bull in the spirit and has always been and always will be. Well, that is something that gets passed down by a spirit of faith to next generations. It happened to Timothy and Paul is bringing that out and says, let me just say that I saw it in your grandmother. I saw it in your mother and now I see it in you. My grandfather was the same way. I never saw my grandfather or grandmother react in fear toward any situation, never. I never saw, my my grandfather and grandmother pastored 62 years, never saw them react in fear in any situation. My grandfather and grandmother carried that kind of a strong faith. My father, my uncles, I've never seen my uncles react in fear in any situation. There's a strength that's being passed down. Now I'm preaching it to you because as Paul said it to Timothy, I'm saying it to you. You are the one that will impart that faith to your children and to your family around you. And you will be that pillar of strength in your family. The spirit of faith is coming upon you. Let me me say this. It doesn't matter who went before you in your family line. It does not matter who uh, and what happened before you. You could have been the first person saved in your whole family. It doesn't matter if your first generation faith If you're first generation Holy Ghost, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. You are building by the spirit of God, that pillar of faith in your home and watch this. Your children, your grandchildren, your family members are watching you to see how you're going to react in times of crisis. What are your children going to grow up seeing? Are they going to, are they going to grow up seeing a mom and a dad that in panic race down to the grocery store and and fill a cart with 90 million rolls of toilet paper and punch three people on the way out because they have to get it back to the house. There's not going to be anything Oh, we got a panic mode. Is that what your children are going to see? Are they going to see panic mode or are they going to see people who stand in faith and fear can't control us? I'm not a slave to fear. I'm not a slave to unbelief. I'm not a slave to doubt. And neither should you be. There are people watching you. And Paul makes this uh, analogy here. He said, your grandmother had it. uh, Your mother had it. And now I can clearly see you have it. You have it. Now stir up. Now look what Paul said. And in this translation, he said, fan into flames. That's 2 Timothy chapter uh, one. He said, fan into flames, the gift of God that is in you that came through the laying on of my hands. Fan it into flames. That means that every one of us have a responsibility to stir up the gift that's on the inside of us. Every one of us. And tonight at seven, I'm going to tell you how. I'm going to tell you one of the major ways that allow you to, or or avenues to stir up that gift that's on the inside of you. That's what tonight's about. Tonight at 7 p.m., I'm going to talk to you about one of the number one ways to fan into flames, the gift that's on the inside of you and to stir up your faith. And we're going to talk about it and it's very needed. So you're not going to want to miss tonight at seven o'clock because now I'm going to to begin to give you practical uh, guides to stirring up that faith because there's many people watching me. You've got faith, but the key now is let's stir stir it up, stir it up, stir it up. And get it working. And so he says this to him. He said, so this for this reason, for what reason? He said, it came through your family and now you've got it too. Now listen, as I said a moment ago, even if you're the first in your family, even if you're the first in your family to come into faith, maybe the rest of your family's Catholic and you came into Protestant Christianity. Now you're a Holy Ghost filled Christian. Maybe they've even partially disowned you because you left a cultural religion. Maybe that might be your story. Everything changes with you in the mighty name of Jesus. You'll not be the same as everybody else in this world. You will be different by the power of God. And so tonight, how do we stir up the gift? I'm going to give you the number one. And and let me say this. I've heard all, what I'm going to teach you tonight are things that I've heard behind the scenes from mighty men of God. I've heard these things from men like Kenneth Hagin. I've heard these things from men like Pastor Adaboye, Enoch Adaboye, my father, Pastor Oye, Bishop Oye all these men, I've heard them speak uh, in public and I've even heard them talk behind the scenes about certain things that will cause you to be powerful and tonight it's very important that you hear this because it is one of the main avenues of building and stirring that spirit of faith. And so he said, for this reason, for this reason, yeah, that's what I'm saying, Anna. You know how it goes, is that many times if you are you grew up in a Catholic family, I just dealt with that uh, in Michigan. So many people there came out of Catholicism into Protestant Christianity, and their families don't understand it, cannot fathom how you could leave Catholicism, because it's j- like just like Islam or anything else. It's a cultural religion, even for people that don't go to mass regularly or practice uh, the, the faith. It's like when you leave it, it's like, how could you leave it? And so many people are dealing with that and trying to stand firm in faith. However, they get pushed back from their family. And so I'm going to teach you how to combat that. And then here in, in verse six, he says, for this reason, the reason that you have this faith, I remind you, fan into flames, the gift of God, which is in you that came through the laying on of my hands. Now, look at this, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control, the ESV says, or a sound mind, self-control or a sound mind. So I want to deal with this first today. Number one, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has not. So if you are ever battling a spirit of fear, number one, it is never from God. It's never from God. You understand? It is never from God. He'll never use it to test you. He'll never use it to strengthen you. He'll never use it to put you in position to trust him more fully. If you're battling a spirit of fear, you can be sure of one thing. It is never from God, ever, ever. It is something the enemy is using to try to destroy you. And so number one, Paul tells us instead of fear, what God actually has given us. And what does he say? Not fear, but three things, power, And love and a sound mind. Power and love and a sound mind. So I I wanna talk about those three in today's broadcast because every one of those things are also spiritual. They're not natural, they're spiritual. He's given you power and love and a sound mind. I was in a class one time and I listened to the teacher teach. And the teacher said, you know, I know many of you, you think that because this verse says that, you know, God's not given us a spirit of fear that you go, you, all of you go around saying, you know, well, you know, it's a spirit of fear and there fear is a spirit. And, and then he started, he proceeded to teach us, well, you know, that's not true. Fear's not a spirit. There's not a spirit of fear. It's just talking about being in the mindset of fear. And then he said this, because, you know, if you believe that fear is a spirit, then in context... You would have to believe that the other three things Paul lists are also spirits, power, love, and a sound mind. And he said so. If you read it in context in the passage, you know if fear is a spirit, then the other three are also spirits. And I thought, even as a young man, I was like eighteen. I sat there and thought to myself, "Well, yes, those other th- three things are spirits. First of all, power. Power is the Holy Spirit." What did Jesus say in Acts chapter one and verse eight? You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of power. He is a spirit of power. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of power. Jesus, who was the Son of God from uh, always has been, but understand he came into the flesh body at birth and became the word made flesh. And the Bible says he lived for 30 years and produced no miracles. And then what happened? He got filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says was led into the wilderness full of the Holy Spirit. But after fasting and prayer came out of the wilderness full of the power of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then what happened? He began to produce signs, wonders, and miracles. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, the first verse I ever learned to quote as a young boy, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. And he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil for the Lord was with him. Notice what happened to Jesus. When he got filled with the Holy Ghost, he got filled with a spirit of power. And it changed him from being a natural man into a supernatural man. He went from doing what everybody else did to doing what no one else did, which is working signs, wonders, and miracles. And the change happened when he received a spirit of power, the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost is a spirit of power. And so number one, he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. So what if you look at the contrast here, Paul is teaching Timothy, if you've got the spirit of power, you shouldn't operate in a spirit of fear. Put that in the comments. If I have a spirit of power, I shouldn't operate in a spirit of fear. If I have a spirit of power, I should not operate in a spirit of fear. That's bottom line, number one. I should not operate in a spirit of fear. And so it's not right. Holy Ghost people are not called to operate in a spirit of fear. What are they called to operate in? A spirit of power. A spirit of power, that's number one. If I've got a spirit of power, I should not operate in a spirit of fear. Pop that in the comments and never forget it. That if I'm standing today full of Holy Spirit power, that's what should be guiding my life. That is what should be guiding my life. That's it. Thank you. Write it in the comments. And so that's number one. Jesus was filled with a spirit of power when he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Every one of you watching me today that is filled with the Holy Spirit in baptism, you are filled with a spirit of power a spirit of power. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. That's a promise. He didn't say some of you will receive power. He said all of you who receive it will receive power. You know how I know it's true? Because after they received it in the Bible, they all began to work the works of Christ, turned the world upside down. The early church launched in total persecution And in four centuries, not even, the beginning of the fourth century, they had literally spread that religion all over the world by the power of the Holy Ghost, even in the midst of heavy, heavy persecution. If I have a spirit of power, I should not be operating in a spirit of fear. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, it's not your portion, it is not your portion you're not called to walk in fear. You don't have to be in fear. You have a spirit of faith. You have a spirit of power that lives on the inside of you. And so I thought to myself what that teacher said, well, you know, if, if fear's a spirit, then power has to be a spirit. And I thought it is a spirit. It's called the Holy ghost. You shall receive power, but Bible couldn't be more plain than that. But then secondly, power and of love. So love, he said, well, you'd have to believe love is a spirit. Love is a spirit. (laughs) You can prove that easily from the uh, word of God. The Bible says, number one, that, and you've read this verse before, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. How many have read that scripture? You've read it. You've heard it preached. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, what does the Bible say in first John? God is love. If you've heard that or, or heard, read the verse, heard it preached, throw it in the comment section, a hand, an emoji hand, God is love. You know that the Bible says that first John, it's the book of first John. In fact, we can turn there because There's a few things I want to read to you from 1 John. Amen. God is love. Man, I could could spend three sessions just in 1 John 4 and 1 John 5. I could spend like... Let's go here. 1 John chapter 4. I'll, I'll, I'll go down to the bottom. Um, So this is verse 16 of 1 John 4. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us. So that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Listen. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. You see that? How powerful that is? First of all, it tells us God is love, but then it tells us perfect love casts out fear. And so abiding in love, what does that mean? Abiding in the, in God or in his presence or in his word, which we'll get to as well. Abiding in, in love, which is abiding in God. <clears throat> God is love. So catch this, catch this. Uh, one of the things that we need to understand is that if God is a spirit <clears throat> and God is also love, which we just read, then love is a spirit. So number two, not only is power a spirit, love is a spirit. According to scripture, God is love and God is a spirit. Love is a spirit and perfect love casts out all fear. If we're living in fear, we're not abiding in perfect love. The Bible says for fear has to do with punishment. I mean, how can you believe, and, and, I, and I have time to get into this because <clears throat> we, have, we have these these sessions, these faith sessions, but how can we believe that God is all-powerful and that we are in him and he's in covenant with us and he's watching? How can we believe that, as the Bible says, when his right hand is extended, who can stop him? And if God is for you, who can be against you? How can we quote all those verses and say all those things and sing all those songs and still walk around in fear of catching a virus. How can that be? We're not abiding in perfect love. Perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in this house. There's no fear. I've not had one, let me just be honest with you, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm saying this to say you can be this person. I've not had one thought, not one, of, oh man, I hope I don't catch that virus. Not one thought have I had like that. I've never had one imagination. One imagination. Well, man, I just hope that my family doesn't catch that. I hope that my loved one, I hope that I don't have that happen to my, oh man, I heard it's in Florida now. I hope it doesn't come near I've not had one thought like that. Not one. Not one. I'm not, I have no worry about it. I have no care about it. None even in my natural mind just because i've trained it to think what the word of god says i i'm not walking around let me just say another thing it was they had all kinds of reported cases in michigan where i just was there were people in the counties around us that all had it that all had it well what did you what did you think i do you know literally what did you think i was going to do Cancel my services? Do you Even if I did have the services, what did you think I was going to do? Preach the word of faith and then say to people, now just let's just lift our hands and I, I feel it would be wisdom to not lay hands on you today so that we can minimize personal contact. You know, as we're using wisdom, I want to minimize personal contact today and just pray over you uh, as you sit in or stand in your seats. I didn't say that. I can't imagine saying that foolishness foolishness because the Bible says to lay your hands on the sick lay your hands on the sick that's why I tweeted the thing I tweeted the other day that's why I tweeted what I tweeted uh I don't know if you caught it I put it on Facebook too I think and I think on on Instagram where I said you have to come to the place where you ask yourself a question you have to ask yourself this do my hands heal the sick Or do my hands catch and spread disease? That's the question you need to ask yourself based on the word of God. Do my hands heal the sick or do my hands catch and spread disease? Ask yourself. And I want you to answer me in the comments. Do my hands heal the sick or do my hands catch and spread disease and virus and bacteria? Which is it? Because it can't be both. Catch this, it can't be both. Can't be both. It has to be one or the other. (laughs) I mean, think about it logically. Either God's word has to be true or something else has to be true. Do my hands heal the sick or do my hands catch and spread diseases? I was out last night. That's right, thank you for writing it. My hands heal. My hands heal. My hands are anointed to heal. My hands heal the sick. That's right. Write it in the comments and don't be ashamed of it. You, you think of this, you've got to think of it from a logical perspective based on the word of God. You know, these people that say, well, you know, we're, we believe the word, we're standing in faith, but we got to still use wisdom. Be careful what kind of wisdom you say you're using. Be careful what kind of wisdom you say you're using. Because if the quote unquote wisdom that you say you're using is contradicting the mighty word of God, then your wisdom is actually foolishness. Your wisdom is actually foolishness. Actually, you have to understand this. If my wisdom contradicts the mighty word of God, then my wisdom is foolishness, absolute foolishness. Because God's word is always true. And it's always higher than man's ways or man's thoughts, which we'll get to in a minute. That's right. My hands heal the sick. Your hands heal the sick. So think about it logically. If my hands catch and spread diseases, it means my hands aren't anointed to heal. Because the power that's in our hands as Pentecostal believers is a power that should destroy sickness and disease. What do you think? Jesus wasn't willing to lay hands on lepers because they were contagious? Think about it. Was Jesus unwilling to minister to lepers because they were contagious? And let me just say this to you. Leprosy was so contagious. This is, you know, this would be a good thing to teach right now. And so I'm going to do it. Leprosy was so contagious and deadly. that under the law of Moses in the Old Testament, by the way, this is where quarantine was invented. I don't know if you know this or not, uh, the the invention of quarantine was under the law of Moses because when they had leprosy, which was extremely contagious, they were quarantined to what we know as leper colonies, leper colonies places where all lepers had to go live by themselves and others that had leprosy so that they couldn't spread it to the rest of society. And according to the law of Moses, if you were caught leaving the leper colony and and coming back into society, you were to be stoned to death. That's how serious it was. You were to be stoned to death. So quarantine was actually invented under the law of Moses for lepers. And so understand this, that when Jesus was ministering on the earth, the law of Moses was still in effect. You know, the New Testament didn't truly happen until Christ died and was resurrected and ascended into heaven and sent the Holy Ghost. Jesus' ministry was during the time of the law of Moses. Really, the Gospels, if you read the Gospels, they could be considered an interim period between the Old and the New Testament. Because Christ had not created a New Testament church yet, he was in the process of bringing redemption. So what was he doing? Fulfilling the law of Moses. Not canceling it, fulfilling. So in Jesus' day, when he was ministering, if lepers had left their colony and were seen in normal society, they were supposed to have been killed. So I want you to think of this. When lepers came to Jesus in the Bible and asked him to heal them, think of this. They were risking their lives to see if Jesus was willing to heal their bodies. They were risking their lives. That's so important that you see that. Risking their lives to see if Jesus was a healer. And Jesus, I mean, let's talk about this. Jesus In Luke chapter 17, um, starting with verse 11, Luke 17, 11, please see this. On the way to Jerusalem, he, who is speaking of Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers, Who stood at a distance? Well, they knew why they had to stand at a distance. They weren't even supposed to be in the village. They weren't even supposed to be there. And so, you know, they were still using some precaution, hoping that people would respect that. You know, they stood at a distance, but look at this and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests Notice he didn't rebuke them for being out in society. Excuse me, lepers. We're supposed to be practicing social distancing, lepers. You're going to have everybody around here catching your leprosy with your negligence. Can't believe you'd leave the colony and actually come out here looking for healing. How dare you, lepers. Where's the social distancing? Jesus didn't rebuke him. Now, let me show you something. Did Jesus uphold the word of God or did he not? Of course he did. He was the word made flesh. Hebrews chapter one tells us he was the exact representation of the will and nature of God on the earth. So interestingly here, Jesus is, Is this is more than what you think it is. This right here is more than just a healing story. And I wanna I want open your eyes to it in this section of the broadcast. It's this, Luke 17, 11 through 19 is more than just a healing story. It is Christ revealing himself as greater than the law. It's Christ revealing himself as greater than the law of Moses. How do I know? Because if Jesus was only here to uphold the law of Moses, then when he saw these lepers outside of the colony and in normal society, he should have called for them to be stoned immediately and killed for their uh, disobedience to the law of Moses. He did not do that. He did not do that. What did he do? Instead of calling for their execution, He healed them. He healed them. The Bible says that when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were, as they went, they were cleansed as they did what, as they obeyed the word of Christ. See that as they obeyed the word of Christ, they were cleansed. So vitally important that you catch that today. Number one, Jesus was showing himself to be greater than the law, greater than the law and greater than natural wisdom. You see that Luke 17 verses 11 through 19 was not just Jesus healing lepers. It was also not just Jesus showing himself to be greater than the law. It was also Jesus showing himself to be greater than natural wisdom that's proof that he's god that's part of the proof that he's god and as they obeyed his instruction and went that went their way they were cleansed hallelujah they were cleansed notice this this was more contagious this was more contagious than coronavirus this was more contagious than anything that we got going on today so contagious they they quarantined them forever you go go live together and die together. And if you come back here, we'll kill you quicker. More contagious. It was so serious. It was eating away their bodies, eating away their flesh, eating away their organs, eating away their, uh, uh, their, their appendages, eating away their ears and noses. It was contagious and it was killing them slowly. And it was con- so contagious they shouldn't have ever been seen in society. And Jesus did not rebuke them for their faith, he healed them instead. He healed them instead. Shows that he's greater than the law, shows that he's greater than sickness, and it shows that he's got greater wisdom than natural human wisdom. And so what am I gonna do? I'm gonna gonna sit around in a church service, first of all, cancel my service, so well, you know, we need to practice social distancing. In 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 the middle of Hebrews chapter 10, Telling us in verse twenty-five, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the custom of some. But as you see the day of the Lord approaching, gather on the more all the more. I saw a scholar on Twitter yesterday, a, a, a theologian, a Christian scholar, who was kind of uh, hitting back at the at the public, and he was saying it's not a violation of Hebrews chapter ten to close your church down during this time. It's not a violation of you know, whatever. And so somebody replied to him, wasn't me, because I don't need to argue about things like that. But somebody replied to him and said, what about closing down church for two months, eight weeks of closed services? Is that a violation? Is that a violation of uh, of Hebrews chapter 10? Is that a violation? Because think about this. <clears throat> You've got you've got governments in other nations, you know, like what, what, what reasons does a government have to give you to shut down your churches before you'll shut them down? I mean, like if they just change up the reason, are you okay with shutting them down? Because I'm sure that, uh, Not as many churches would have shut down in America if the government said, we're just shutting down Christian gatherings because, you know, we're not allowing Christians to gather anymore. At least then there would be some people bold enough to stand up and say, you know what? You're not shutting down the church. You're not shutting down Christianity. It's what they're doing in other nations. You go to China, it's illegal to meet in China. It's illegal. It's illegal to own a Bible in certain nations in the Middle East. You can't even go, you can't fly through, you know, even in Dubai, you go through these places, you can't, you can't have Bibles. So what are you going to do when the government tells you not to meet as a church? you say, well, you know, does it, does it always have to be persecution? So if they just change their tune and say, well, I think it'd be just a little dangerous for you to meet right now. Is that going to make you close? Because the government says we shouldn't meet for the next eight weeks, the next 12 weeks. Should we violate the scripture and not meet together or should we just do what the Bible says to do and obey the word of God and gather together? What do you think? God's going to penalize you for obeying his word and gathering together. You think God's going to penalize you and say, ha, you gathered together. Like I said, now I'm going to make you all catch the coronavirus." You think God's going to do that? Or do you think like in this passage of scripture, where Jesus said, go and show yourself to the praise, gave them, gave them an instruction. And when they obeyed it, they were healed. They were healed. I'm, ner- I'm, I'm unnerved, I should say. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Ruth, Ruth's making a point here on Facebook. Uh, so many shut down. It wasn't even a mandatory shutdown. It was a suggestion. It was a suggestion. And so many shut down upon a suggestion well you know they they say it'd be better if we didn't come it, it shows you what they believe and think about the word now i understand fully that there are many pastors that have legal teams advising them as to what they should and shouldn't do i understand trust me i understand what's going on behind the scenes i know it i'm asking the question in general what should we do what should we do? Uh, here's a question. Yeah, they, they can't stop us, Susan. They can't stop us. They can suggest. I mean, Susan is, at, for those that are listening on the podcast, or maybe you're watching on another platform on Facebook, Susan's asking, doesn't the constitution give us the right to assemble? Well, of course, of course it does. First of all, think about this. It's a suggestion by the government. No, nothing larger than, now they're saying, the CDC is suggesting nothing a lar- a larger than 50 people. Nothing larger than 50. The question is, <clears throat> number one, what if we want to? What are you going to do? You suggest that we don't, but what if we want to anyway? What are you going to do? There's no penalty. What, is there a fine? You're going to give us a fine? How are you going to police that? How, there's not even enough manpower in the United States police, that kind of a thing. And I've heard from police officers and fire marshals uh, that have said already, you know, to churches that are, that are wanting to meet, just meet. We're not going to come down there. We're not going to count your people. We're not going to come in there and stand at your doors, you know, blah, blah. We're not going to do it. I mean, I've, I've heard police and fire marshals already say that they've already said it out of their mouth. We're not coming. They don't have the manpower to police every church in the city. How could you do it? You couldn't even police it if you wanted to. But Christians are just willingly, well, listen, they want us to do it, so we're just gonna do it. What is it gonna have to, what is it gonna take? What's it gonna take for, uh, you know, to, to shut the church down in America? A suggestion, that's what it takes. It Yeah, now it's 10, 10 people. So what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? You know, I understand the whole, you know, whatever behind it and everything. I I get all that. But I'm making the point from scriptural standing. We're in the last days. We're in the final moments of time. And you you ask yourself, what are we going to do? Does all the government have to do is just change the rhetoric of why we're not meeting? Because if they just told it's true. I was listen, I don't know when um Suzanne when did uh when did President Trump make the Uh, announcement of nothing larger than 10. Was it yesterday or was it today? Was it this morning or was it last night? Because I went to Costco last night and let me tell you, there were plenty more than 10 people in Costco, plenty more yesterday. So I was there last night after he made the, after he made the announcement and Costco was filled with people, went to Publix filled with people, went to Walmart there's people, people at the mall. There's pe- I mean, there's people out. So what are you gonna do? You've got, you've got, uh, Costco staying open. You know what I did yesterday? Listen to this. I called, I called planet fitness because I've been, you know, trying to work out a little bit here and there. <laughs> I called planet fitness coming home from the airport. And I said, um, are you guys still open? Or this was last night after the announcement. Then I said, um, I said, "Hey, I called Planet Fitness. I said, "Hey, you guys, are you guys still open or have you like shut down?" He said, "No, man, we're open. Come on in and work out." I said, "Really?" I said, "Have you gotten any uh have you gotten any word from your uh, corporate office as to shutting down Planet Fitness or uh limiting who can come in the gym?" No. Not not at all. Not not at all. Yeah, he said, "We haven't heard anything. Just come on in and work out." So you go in you go into planet fitness. You know, this is, this is let me just give you the, the logic on this one. We're not going to go to our church and worship with other believers filled with the Holy Spirit, but we're going to go and sweat with a bunch of strangers at a gym. I mean, like literally that's, that's the thought process. We're going to go stand in public and we're going to go, go to the grocery store. We're going to go to Walmart. We're going to go hang out at Publix, whatever, and with a bunch of strangers, but we won't come together as a church. I mean, this is the kind of thinking I'm just bringing it to your, to your thought process here about a spirit of faith versus a spirit of fear. And so, you know, I've got, I I can go, I can literally go over to the gym and work out with a hundred people today, which I'm going to do after this broadcast. (laughs) And literally you got people freaking out. I can't go to church. Oh, but I mean, come on. Think about it. Think about it. I can sit. I just, I just went, my wife went this morning, went in. Went into Publix, went into Walmart, went into Fresh Market. Last night I was in Costco. So you understand? You've got secular places that aren't afraid to stay open and you've got churches that are afraid to stay open. But notice this today with me. It's very important that you catch it. There's a spirit of faith that can govern your actions. And then there's a spirit of fear that can control what you do. You have to make up in your mind, I refuse to be directed by a spirit of fear. And so that scholar asked the question on Twitter, what, uh, you know, it's not a violation of Hebrews chapter 10. What, What if they tell you to close your church for eight weeks? Is that a violation of Hebrews? Well, brother, we're still gathering online. There was no online gathering when Hebrews was written, by the way. There was no, it was gathered together in person. Gathered together in person. Well, you know, we can worship God from anywhere. Yeah, you can, but you can't negate what the Bible commands you to do. Can't negate it. It says to gather, gather. If it says to, you know, I go back to the thought about laying hands on the sick. And I did it and posted pictures of it. And people were were thankful. My God, that's what we should be doing in these times. Laying hands on the sick, believing the Bible. Yes, it is what we should be doing. That's why you have to ask yourself the question. Do my hands heal the sick or do they catch and spread diseases? Which do they do? Because if they heal the sick, they should... Kill diseases and not catch and spread them. It's like you've heard me share the the John G. Lake testimony. His body killed disease. Our bodies kill disease in Jesus' name. You have to believe it by faith. It doesn't automatically happen. There's plenty of Christians that live their entire lives sick. And if it was automatic, they wouldn't live their entire lives sick. It's all by a spirit of faith. It's a spirit of faith. And I want you to hear this today because I want you to know yeah, it's true. there is a corporate anointing that's not available just individually. The Bible teaches that. The Bible teaches that one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Imagine what 10 can do. imagine what 50 can do. imagine what a hundred can do. imagine what a thousand can do. And the devil doesn't want you gathering. And I understand that, and I thank God for President Trump, and I thank God for those in leadership that believe God and are calling for prayer and all the things that, uh, you know, you understand? So I want you to understand that even though that we have, you know, people in leadership that are with godly uh, mentalities and they're believing they're asking the church to pray and all that, you know, remember something, President Trump is not my spiritual leader. the uh, vice president of Pence is not my spiritual leader. And so I thank God for them. But, the, you know, if I had to depend on ke- getting my impartation of a spirit of faith from President Trump, I'd be in trouble. Whether he's a believer or not, I'd be in trouble. He's not my pastor. He's not my spiritual leader. Neither is uh, vice president Pence. And so I, I want you to think about this today. There's a spirit of faith that you can walk in, that you can operate in by the power of God that will change reality it'll I've never once thought, I hope my family doesn't get it. I hope I don't get it. I'm not walking around hoping I don't catch it. I'll be leaving here and going to the gym after this broadcast. I'll touch all the weights. I'll lay down on all the benches. I'll go into the locker room, sit on all. I mean, I'm not going to walk. You think I'm going to go in there and lift weights with surgical gloves and a surgical mask on? lost your mind. You lost your mind. It dies when it touches me. It dies when it touches you. Don't be governed. So, number one, not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. That's the Holy Ghost. A spirit of love. That's God himself. God is love. And what's the final one? A sound mind. That's peace. Casting all of your care upon him. For he cares for you. He cares for you. So understand with me today. There is a spirit of peace, that's number three. A spirit of peace. What is the spirit of peace? It's also the comforter, the Holy Spirit. What does the Bible say that we have? A peace that passes all understanding. What does that mean? This is the final one, power, love, sound mind. What is a spirit of peace? It's the Holy Spirit operating in his role as the comforter as the comforter. Think about this today. He is your comforter, which means if he's there comforting you, you should not be standing in anxiety, panic, depression. None of those things should be a part of your life if the comforter abides with you. We used to sing that when I was growing up. He abides, he abides, hallelujah, he abides with me. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way for the comforter abides with me. We need to start singing songs like that again. You know, there's so many songs that focus on our own um, uh, inconsistencies or, you know, trying to focus on the failures of the flesh. That's not praise, nor is it worship. Sing about the Lord. He abides, he abides, hallelujah, he abides with me. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way for the comforter abides with me. If the comforter abides with me, then I've got peace that passes all understanding. What does it mean to have peace that passes understanding? It means that when people see you acting so peaceful in a time of trouble, they will be confused and say, I don't understand that. How can you be so peaceful in a time of crisis? How can you be so peaceful in a time of crisis? Why? I'll tell you why, because my peace doesn't come from my natural mind. My peace does not come from circumstances. My peace does not come from what's happening in the economy. Peace doesn't come from what's happening in the government. Peace does not happen or come from what's happening in my society. Where does it come? It comes from the Holy Ghost, who is a spirit of peace. He's the spirit of peace. He's the comforter. He's the comforter. Comes alongside to help. Amen. He comes alongside to help the spirit of peace. He's the spirit of peace. And when he comes and when he operates in your life, that peace that you will have will pass the understanding of natural men. They will say to you, I don't understand. I don't understand how you can have peace like that. How are you so calm? They'll think that you're irresponsible. How are you so calm right now? How are you so calm right now? I mean, like, insane. How are you? It makes no sense to me. You should be worried. I've had people tell me that. You should be more worried about what's going on. You should be more worried about it. I'm not worried, and I'm not going to get more worried about it. I'm less worried than I've ever been. Less worried than I've ever been. There's a spirit of peace operating on the inside of me. And so that's why I'm taking this week. And and as long as the Lord leads me to do it, I'm going to do it. A spirit of faith. And we're going to do these spirit of faith sessions. And this was number one. Spirit of faith sessions. Don't miss one because they're going to build your faith and put you in position. I hope you can tell that just after this hour of teaching, that your faith is built. I hope you can feel the difference even in your spirit, man, that that fear has to leave you. Panic has to leave you. Depression has to leave you. Anxiety attacks have to leave you. No, a spirit of faith is coming upon you. A new impartation of faith. You know, you can impart to others. You can impart to others. That's what Paul was actually saying to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He's saying, stir up the gift that lies within you that came through the laying on of my hands. Through the laying on of my hands. And so you can impart supernatural faith by the preaching and teaching of the word, by the laying on of hands. And so I want you to hear me today. This is building your faith, it's strengthening your heart, strengthening your faith. And I'm not gonna stop. I refuse to stop. I'm I'm coming back tonight at 7 p.m. Eastern time right here. Yeah, 7 p.m. right here. YouTube, Facebook, Periscope. And I'm going to talk to you tonight about the number one way, number one way to stir up the faith that God's given you and to stay stirred up in faith. You do not want to miss tonight at 7 o'clock. You do not want to miss it. I'm going to talk about that because we need to activate the things the Bible teaches and keep ourselves stirred up in faith by the power of God. Stirred up in faith. Don't allow what you hear on the news. In fact, I would encourage you to turn the news off. Turn the news off and turn on Miracle Word Radio. If you don't have our app, download it for free. Search Miracle Word in your app store and just turn on Miracle Word Radio. It's free. It's 24-7. It just nonstop keeps on teaching and preaching to you and let your faith be built throughout the day. you're sitting around the house, I know many of you aren't going to work because they've shut places down, and just let your faith be built. Let me just say this before I pray for you. The worst thing you could do during these however many days, the worst thing you could do is just sit in the living room and allow the television to stay on Fox News or whatever and just keep getting a steady stream of what's happening with the coronavirus. Worst thing you could do is continue Love you, Paul. Miss you too. Worst thing you can do is sit there and let that stuff be poured into your spirit and into your heart and into your mind. What did I say at the beginning? I said that the thing that fills your heart, the abundance of your heart is what will cause your mouth to speak. So even if you've got, think about it, even if you've got 80% fear and 20% uh, word and preaching into your spirit, you're going to spout what the abundance is. Whatever fills you, the abundance of your heart is what's going to make you speak. Don't allow yourself. Please take my advice on this one and stop listening. I mean, if you have to go back in every now and then to catch a headline, see what the president said, scroll your Twitter feed, do it. But there are so, listen, there are so many people that literally will sit with a cup of coffee, get in their recliner and just keep that Fox News on just all day long. Honey, get me another cup of coffee. They're getting ready to go into a second segment here. Oh my Lord, I can't. It's like sitting there, letting that feed their spirit. That's what you're going to let feed your spirit. Turn it off. Turn it off. Ask yourself the question they had to answer in the Bible. Whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? We, I'm talking about you and me, will believe the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We'll believe the report of the Lord in Jesus' name. You're not getting it. I'm not getting it. We're healed. We're walking in healing. We're walking in health. We're not going. There's a blood barrier around your house. Activate it by faith and declare. I refuse to be sick. I refuse to catch what's going on in this world. It's got to pass over my house and go somewhere else in Jesus' name. Has to pass over my house and go somewhere else. Let me pray for you. I want you to just... You're probably home, so if you're watching, if you can put your phone down, lift your hands. Lift your hands to heaven. Unless you're driving a vehicle, do not lift your hands if you're driving a vehicle. But if you're home and can do it, lift your hands and receive this prayer of faith today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray now for your people. I take authority over a spirit of fear that tries to cripple this nation, tries to cripple your people. I rebuke it now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I command it to leave by the power of God. I lose faith. Lord, I thank you. This teaching today from your word built faith in the hearts of men and women. Build a spirit of faith. Anoint us throughout this whole week and next week and a week after to stay in faith in Jesus' mighty name. Stay in faith by the power of God and to build our faith to the next level. We will see victory in our lives, and in our families. I thank you, Lord, that not one child will be sick. Not one husband, not one wife will be sick. Thank you for the blood barrier that's around our homes. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is taking care of us and watching over us by your mighty power. I thank you, Lord, every wicked thing has to loose its grip today. In Jesus' name, we give you honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now listen. You might think to yourself, man, it's a time where you really have to, you really have to watch it. You really got to, budget you really got to, you really got to budget. You really got to make sure everything's work. Is it? Let me encourage you with something. Sow a seed. Sow a seed by faith. What did God say to Isaac in Genesis 26? He said, you go to the land that I will show you, which was Gerar. And by the way, that place, there was a time of famine. And you know what God said? Sow. In a time of famine. Spoke to him. Don't you don't go to Egypt like your father did, the metropolitan area. Go here. In a really Lord, in a time of famine. In a time of famine. In a time of famine. Not only go there, sow in that land. And Isaac's obedience to the Lord in a time of famine caused him to flourish. And the Bible says, and he reaped in that same year one hundredfold. A hundredfold. And got so blessed, by the way, if you're wondering where this is, Genesis 26, got so blessed that the king showed up at his house and said, you've become too mighty for us. And so I'm going to ask you to move away, leave us, take everything you have and just go somewhere else. That's blessing. When somebody's so blessed that the king asked them to leave and go somewhere else and so I'm encouraging you today, take a step of faith. Don't allow what's what you see on the news. Don't allow what you see in this world to govern your financial harvest. What have we been declaring? It's no surprise to me about what we've been declaring and then what the enemy tries to do. What do we say this is? A year of violent increase and expedited favor. Violent increase and expedited favor. That doesn't change because somebody had something that was released in another country that's making its way around the world. That does not change because of what's on Fox News. That does not change. Doesn't change because of what's going on around us. Forget that. Sow yourself into increase. Sow yourself into blessing. Thank you for sowing. Thank you, those of you that are sowing seeds. You can see on the screen how to do it. You can use hashtag donate if you're in Periscope or Facebook. You can always go to miracleword.com and sow a seed there. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you, for, thank you, Brian Nicole. Thank you, Luenda. Thank you, Dorian. Thank you for sowing. Step up. Step up and take what's yours by the power of God. I encourage you to partner with this ministry. Many people are already partnered with us. We're believing for you. We're standing in faith for a thousand people that will stand with us and believe that this generation will be changed before Jesus comes. I don't look. This is what Jesus prophesied in the last days. You would see famine and pestilence, plague, sickness, disease. You'd see it increase around the world. This is just Bible prophecy being fulfilled. That's all it is, and it doesn't it doesn't phase me one bit. It doesn't affect me. Doesn't scare me. It gives me joy to know Jesus is coming soon. Maybe you're watching. You'd like to sow by PayPal or Cash App or Venmo the information's on the screen. Venmo is the same as Cash App, MW Give. Take a step of faith and take ground for the kingdom of God. I'll tell you, this is one of those times that I'm going to sow, thank you, Joe. I'm going to sow seed and not be afraid. That's what I'm totally honest with you. I'm going to sow seed in a time where it looks like famine and not be afraid. My wife and I will sow more this year than we ever have in the history of our life or ministry, and God's going to bless us. My, my sowing, my giving, it's not, a, it's not about what the natural looks like. That would be foolish for me to do. That would be foolish for me to do. I would never, and neither would my wife, ever pause our giving. Well, you know, there's stuff going around. There's stuff going around right now. No, you need to understand that the power of God is what's going around. It's going around your house. It's going around your body. It's going around your finances, going around your children, going around your mind. That's what's going around. The power of God is going around. And let me just say, we're doing this for you as a gift. If you're sowing a seed with us this month and you sow $85 or more, we're sending you this powerful book, Price of God's Miracle Working Power by A.A. Allen, and this book is so life-changing, changed his ministry, it's changed so many people's ministry. Jesus appeared to him and gave him a list of things that he needed to do to walk in supernatural power. And this book is that list of, and then he writes about it, what it is that the Lord spoke to him to do to change his life, to change his ministry. And uh, let me tell you, it is life-changing. It is life-changing. And then also, as you know, We're sending this beautiful Bible to everybody that partners with us at $1,000 or more this month. This is the New Living Translation Life Application Study Bible in uh, genuine leather. I love this Bible. It is so phenomenal, the uh, tools that are on the inside of this to to help you go deeper in studying the mighty word of God. This is a phenomenal, phenomenal tool. And I use it now. I got got one for myself. And so uh, I love it. I love it very much. We're going to send you one and sign it to your family to say thank you uh, to everybody that's standing with us by faith. Amen. And uh, if you missed it and you just logged on late, you don't know what the announcement is, this is the announcement that uh, every night, not only at 1030 in the morning, but every night at seven o'clock, we're going to be doing Spirit of Faith sessions. Spirit of Faith sessions, 7 p.m. every single night right here on Facebook. Periscope, YouTube, live. So we'll be live at 10.30 a.m. and we'll be live at 7 p.m. every single day to build your faith and get you ready for what God's called you to do. Don't be afraid. Don't allow yourself. Do not allow yourself to uh, be caught up in what's going on around the world. Don't allow. That's A.A. Allen, Daniel. A.A. Allen, powerful man of God, powerful book. Don't allow yourself to be caught up in what's going on. Take a stand. Take a stand today and say, I refuse to go backward. I'm moving forward and sow a seed by faith and watch what God will do. I love you guys. I appreciate you. If you missed the beginning, I played one of my favorite videos uh, of all time. It's Dr. S.M. Lockridge. His name was Shadrach Meshach Lockridge uh, and played a preaching clip of him when he did his famous sermon, That's My King. And uh, if you haven't uh, ever heard it before, stick around. I'm going to play it one more time at the end. Let me quickly say, along with this spirit of faith that we're teaching right now, the brand new course, Mountain Moving Faith, is available on Miracle Word University. You can check it out at MiracleWordU.com. MiracleWordU.com. This would be a perfect complement to what we're teaching. To go get this course at Miracle Word U and go through it in your spare time while you're home, while you have the time to do it. Let this course build your faith. And then of course, every night we're coming back with Spirit of Faith sessions to build your faith and stir you up. Once again, tonight I'm gonna be teaching on the tool that was given to us by God to stay in a place of stirred up faith. Faith is like a muscle. You have to keep it warmed up, stirred up. You don't just show up on the basketball court without stretching and getting ready and warming up and then just start playing. That's how people get hurt. You can warm your faith up and get it ready for action. I'm teaching on that tonight at 7 p.m. Do not miss it. I love you guys so much. Thanks for hanging with me. And I may even take some questions uh, tonight uh, about this stuff. But listen, so very important. So as I go, I'm gonna play again one of my favorite, favorite videos. Dr. S.M. Lockridge preaching his famous message that's my king I love you have a powerful day I'll see you tonight at 7pm love you guys bye
0: the bible says he's a king of the Jews he's a king of Israel he's a king of righteousness he's a king of the ages he's a king of heaven he's a king of glory he's a king of kings and he is the lord of lords now that's my king David said the heavens declare the glory of God and the fundamental show it his handiwork. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. Well, well, he's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. And He's impartially merciful. That's my King. He's God's Son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands alone in himself. He's august. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. Well, he's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in high criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. And that's my king. He's the miracle of the age. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one able to supply all of our needs simultaneously. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He starves God and he dies. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges he delivers the captives, he defends the feeble, he blesses the young, he serves the unfortunate, he regards the aged, he rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meek. Do you know him? Well, my king is a key of knowledge, he's a wellspring of wisdom, he's a doorway way of deliverance, he's a pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. He's the master of the mighty. He's the captain of the conquerors. He's the head of the heroes. He's the leader of the legislators. He's the overseer of the overcomers. He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. And he's the lord of lords. That's my king. Yeah. His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. His yoke is easy and his burden is life. Well, I wish I could describe him to you. But he, he's indescribable. He's indescribable. Yeah. He, he's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. I'm trying to tell you, the heavens of heavens cannot contain him, let alone a man explaining him. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hands. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witnesses couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him. couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. That's my king. He always has been, and he always will be. I'm talking about he had no predecessor, and he'll have no successor. There was nobody before him, and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him, and he's not going to resign. That's my king. is the kingdom and the power and the glory the glory is all his Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and when you get through with all of the forever then amen